0: Your Learning Village podcast, episode number 38. Welcome to the Your Learning Village podcast, where you'll discover insights and actionable tips to help your child with learning at home with a special focus on reading. They say it takes a village to raise a child, so let's build your child's learning village. Begin to get the tools you'll need to help your child on their unique learning journey and feel confident that you're doing enough for your child. With your host, Sarah Chabbers. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Your Learning Really Podcast, where I'm going to be chatting with Rachel, and we had a great conversation all about um, some of the things that we need to be doing to help prepare our children to read, and some of the things that we might not even think about even look like reading, but they actually were super important to help our child with learning to read before they even look at any letters or any sounds. So Rachel is the co-founder of Phonics, which is fun with phonics. And it helps prepare young ears, voices, and fingers to read and write. She's passionate about all the skills you need before children need to read and write. And too often she is finding that they are coming to school with habits that need to be changed. So the whole goal of Phonics is that they aim to change this and support parents who find that they don't know enough about Phonics to support their child with early reading and writing. She's a part-time early years teacher and co-founder of Phonics. And has worked in education for over 25 years, including being an au pair in the United States and a in the United Kingdom and worked as a nursery nurse and a qualified teacher for almost 17 years. And she's passionate about all adults working with children, gaining a better understanding of gross motor development and how it supports academic learning. And this is an issue that is close to heart with her own family as well. We had a great conversation about these early skills that we need, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Want to know the most commonly asked question that I had as a teacher and as a reading tutor? Are you ready? Is what else can I be doing to help my child with reading? Even the parents of my one-to-one students wanted to know what they could be doing to help their child keep making progress with learning to read. After over 2,000 hours working with families one-to-one, the missing piece was a place for questions, for resources and have a clear path to help their child. Parents spend more time than anyone else working with their child on their reading-to-learn journey. Study after study has shown the benefits of supporting a child at home with learning. But as a mum of a child learning to read myself, I know how frustrating it can be to fit it all in and work with your own reading child. That's why I've been creating a special place to share everything that I've learned helping children with learning to read in a way that you can help your child with fun, purpose and ease. In our special village, I will share simple strategies to get your child reading and excited about reading. You'll have a supportive space to put their love into the reading journey and access to the library of learning to read recipe cards so that you can make reading fun, purposeful and delicious. Imagine the peace of mind you'll feel when you can support your child at home with reading for the long term. No more googling the best way to help them. No more worrying about if you're doing enough to help them. And no more book time battles. If you're ready to join the Little Readers Village, get on the waitlist where you'll get an exclusive coupon code by following the link in your podcast player or DM me with the word waitlist on Instagram at Village. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to the Your Learning Vintage podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're
1: helping families of early readers. So, first of all, I'm still a part-time teacher. I teach perception two days a week. And then a friend and myself decided that we want to do help children and parents before they start school and find out all about phonics and all about the gross motor skills that they need beforehand, especially since COVID, we've been finding that lots of children are coming in with less and less gross motor skills. But even prior to that, it's on a downward decline a little bit. And for parents, it's been a long time since they've been at school, so they don't really understand phonics. And so rather than them teaching them incorrectly and then we're having to change it at school, we thought we'd go right back to the beginning and chat to the parents and that's that's what we started. So we started Phonics, fun with phonics, preparing young ears, voices, and fingers to read and write.
0: Fantastic. Because you actually run as in-person classes you do as well, isn't it? For preschoolers. That's what, right, preschoolers. yes. It's like before preschoolers, isn't it really?
1: Well, we have first Phonics, which is based around nursery rhymes, and that's a lot of motor and just lots of talking, lots of language skills. And that's from a walk-in to about two and a half. And then two and a half, up to school age, we do phonics, which shows that that's for children and their parents. And it's a lot of pre-phonic skills that they need to know about and a lot of the gross motor skills as well as the fine motor. So we do that in person. We do training days and we also recently launched a subscription box as well. So uh, for those that can't get to us. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about that later because actually that's how I
0: find you because my daughter, she was 18 months when the pandemic hit. And I remember seeing all of your signs everywhere thinking, oh, that'd be a really nice thing to take her to. But we never could because <laughs> it just oh. wasn't happening, unfortunately. And I just thought, oh, that'd be such a great thing for her to do. But unfortunately, she never got there. But that's the way
1: it was, is, isn't it? <laughs> so what is phonological awareness and why is it so important? So phonological awareness refers to the ability to recognise and play with sound. So it's not actually learning like it's just things like rhyme and rhythm and syllables, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. So it's it's all orally as well. They don't have to be able to read anything. It's just orally to listen and to say the sounds, and they don't spend enough time on these these areas. It's often overlooked, and I think a lot of it is it's it's harder to measure, isn't it, how much children are taking in? And so I think if you teach them a letter sound or a letter a letter to to recognize. That's easier to measure that they're making progress than it is to be able to say, oh, they can hear a bit more rhyme or they can count the syllables or, or things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a really crucial skill for children and children with well-developed phonological awareness are more likely to become successful readers and spellers at school. So really important. So I've got a few ideas if you want to you have, oh, no. tell about yeah. what you can be doing to have the phonological awareness. So it's sort of recognising and generating rhymes, sort of cat, hat, sat, and so on. So that helps children to understand patterns in language, which helps them with reading, but also with spelling. But you can, as a parent, read lots of nursery rhymes, rhyming books, things like saying nursery rhymes, and get bit wrong as well, and not necessarily right. and see the children spot them. So Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty, had a red apple, and they'll go, no, no it's a great fall and, and that so they're, they're understanding that rhyme and they're spotting it when you're playing games with them and playing with, with sounds and with words that's all part of it and which it's basically like a tongue twister just saying words that have the same sound at the beginning so purple, pink paper, people <laughs> it Does those, those things or you're just trying to go in the house and let's find a cat let's find a what fit on your on the spot, you can okay. never think of yeah. anything. <laughs> and play for things. So just sort of looking for things with the same sound. So not necessarily, they don't have to be able to recognise what a C looks like. They just have to be able to start to hear those sounds and recognise them in words. And syllables as well. Syllables, clacking games. Syllables is so important because it helps them to read and spell later and break up those longer words to, to spell. But also you can use syllables when children start blending. Instead of having initial sounds, you could have chunks of sounds. So if you had cat or magic, and you put those chunks together, they can, they, they can hear those to blend those. So that's a, a good pre skill to have before they start blending with sounds like in d-. So that's, that's another nice idea. Using instruments, lots of listening sounds, it doesn't have to be instruments. Actually, you can make homemade instruments. You can fill some containers with rice and pasta, which one sounds the same, which one sounds different. All those small differences in sound will help them when they then transfer that skill to hearing the difference between a d and p, for instance. So lots of that body percussion using their voice, their mouth to make sounds, so just experimenting with sound all helps them when they start doing their, their phonics. And the um, would you suggest starting these activities with them? Oh, I mean, like clapping, like you could hear uh, their name, like <laughs> uh, the ring. you could clap their names, you could start clapping beats and things when you you introducing a new word. If you gave them a new fruit, for instance, and they hadn't tried it before, then you could say that word, get them to repeat it, but then you could clap out that beat, that syllable. So that just reinforces it as well. And just in everyday activities, you don't have to make a big thing of it. And rhyming, as many nursery rhymes as you can throughout the day, it's quite surprising how many children don't know the nursery rhymes that we learnt when we were younger. It's all the modern things now, the modern songs, so... But nursery rhymes are fantastic because it's like a little mini story, isn't it? It's got a beginning, middle and end. And so it's, it's that beginning of the story structure as well. So lots and lots of that and lots of that. Just reading books. Just read, 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 and increase that vocabulary. <laughs> and none of these activities take that long either, do they? They're all quite short. No. That be doing. And just do it as and went throughout the day. You could just be waiting for the bus or something and just start lapping things out or just making silly songs up, silly rhymes. As they get a little bit older, then you can think about doing some oral blending. So like we play Simon Says. Mm-hmm. So Simon Says, touch your toes. We generally send, tend to say the word toes after because they're still young and they're not blending, but it's yeah. just given them that initial support so they can hear those sounds. And then we put it together to blend the word toes. And then as children get older and mature in that, they'll start. Being able to do that themselves and you won't have to do it. And then you can swap roles as well and they can start sounding out, which is good for their spelling as well. So that's all pre-reading and pre-writing skills that you can do out and about. You're going out, you're going out in the door, can you go and get your bug bag? Just, it's nice and easy that you can do. So basically that's the logical awareness. And more and more of that is needed before children start school, because it's just not given enough with a lot of the like the
0: phonics programs it suggests doing it more like in nursery but i find whenever i when i've been in schools it's just because people want to see children reading they just skip it over because it doesn't look like reading but it's actually when i've helped readers who are struggling we go back and fill in the gaps with the phonological awareness
1: (laughs) they can soar because it's the wiring of the brain isn't it ready for reading definitely it's those foundations that you need to have in place and if you're missing them then they're really going to struggle further on so you can push them on earlier to read and write but then at some point they're going to have to go back because they haven't got those skills in place and you've got to go over it so you're better off doing it in the first place. But as you say, it's just, I think it's it's easier sometimes mm-hmm. and, and people can see a clearer result, can't they? If a child can okay. read and write, then that's more noticeable. I also find a lot with when people are trying to use apps, because you're not
0: speaking with an app, you are missing out on those skills as well because it is focusing more on what print looks like and how you can use those. But so if you're using an app rather than using your voice, you're again missing out again. You're Dep- not training the ears in the same way.
1: No, definitely. And not only just the ears as well, it's like facial expressions and your mouth, when you're forming the shapes and sounds, like and the child, look at your mouth shape and get an idea of where they should be. So it's getting get mirrors, look at my mouth when I do an app compared to a, and get a mirror and have a look and, and get the child doing the same repeating and copying. So it's much better to do it face to face about that two way conversation with children. Fantastic.
0: And you talk a lot about how gross motor development helps support early literacy. So how can parents be
1: helping that and why is it so important? So gross motor development, well, in lots of ways really, but gross motor skills develop from the call out. So I know it's, it, we often concentrate more on that fine motor because we're thinking about the handwriting. But actually, uh, sometimes I get parents when we do training sessions to, if they will, they don't always want to do this, but take the shoes and socks off. And it's not, this is not a scientific proven test, but it just gives you an idea of what it's like to so get a pencil with your toes and try and write your name. And you know, there are, there are lots of people that can uh, do amazing things with their toes, amazing artists, because they haven't got the use of their arms. So it is possible, but it just shows you how much control children need to develop in their fingers. But that control comes from their arm and their shoulders. And if you try and do it with your toes first, you'll find that you're lifting your legs up and you're using your body. And it really makes you think about how much children use their whole bodies for writing. So building up that control and to be able to sit in a seat as well. We can be sitting with reading with children. The next minute they're on the floor. They just fall off chairs and... Or they wrap their legs around chairs because they're wobbling so their feet aren't flat on the floor. So we try and encourage them to be in a stable seat, nice, firm space, nice, stable space for them to sit on their feet, nice and secure so they can feel the ground and they feel nice and safe. And to be able to hold themselves up, not slouched forward. And particularly when they're writing, not to be holding their head up. So one hand holds the paper and one hand anchors the paper. So it's all, if they haven't got that core skill, and that core develops enough, then they will find they will really struggle with academics at school. And also just actually moving around gets rid of all the restlessness. So if you're worried about your child and you're thinking it's at nursery that I'm not sure they're going to be able to sit at school, then don't practice sitting. Get them out moving. They need to be moving more. So but if, you, if you've got a fidgety child trying before school, get them walking to school or scooting or something and just get rid of some of that excess energy. Definitely, I would love schools in England to be more like schools in Finland where we had more outdoor play. And oh, play. yeah. Uh, oh, we we be very, I, I, I th- people
0: listening to the podcast me talk about it as well. We're very lucky because my daughter should have started school in reception this year, but because in Germany they don't start till six, she's in a kindergarten and they literally are outdoors playing most of the day. And she yeah. keeps going to why are you trying to get me to do some reading and writing? I was like, Because we don't know when we're gonna go back to England. You <laughs> need to this. And she's there now and I'll pick her up and I'll ask, What have you done today? It's not like what it'd be what where have you played today is what I ask her because she they literally just choose a room, they go and play and they're climbing over everything and it's and I've been worried, Oh, she's gonna be behind but then everyone around here is saying, But why is she learning to read and write? Like they don't need to do that yet. She's not gonna be behind. You see it's, it's a yeah. uh, right. completely
1: different way of thinking about it, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely, and we and I think <clears throat> we don't. I don't know. I worry years later if we're pushing them too fast, too quickly, mm-hmm. and they've not had that time to develop a their their gross motor skills, but more their resilience and resourcefulness and mm-hmm. and, 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 and stamina and emotional ability. If we don't concentrate on all that, they're going to struggle later on. I think so. I think we'll get more issues further down the line. Definitely. Maybe. <laughs>
0: So once we've got phonological awareness and some gross motor covered, when will phonics start to come in and what can parents begin to help
1: children with it? Well, phonics doesn't necessarily need to start until reception, but you quite often find in preschools that they're starting to do it. And I think if children are interested, then obviously foster that, but I wouldn't be pushing. And there are many, I mean, we have children that start in reception, but actually just turn four days before they start school and they're just not ready even towards the end of reception year they're just about getting ready because they are that year behind so and children learn at different rates just the same as when they learn to walk and they learn to talk i think we shouldn't just we shouldn't be worrying about them starting phonics too early We shouldn't be worrying about them being able to write their name before they go to school if they can recognise their name, that's that's really beneficial because then they can find their peg, their drawer, they can find their clothes and things. So if they're interested then say and you want to talk about it, then make sure you start with probably familiar letters like their ones in their name, or for mummy, or for daddy, or a brother or sister's name. If you're gonna teach them to write their name, then only start with a capital letter and the rest have got to be lowercase. Otherwise, again, we have to go back at school and change it all, and it's just frustrating for the child and for the teachers as well. So, uh, and if you're going to teach them sounds as well, make sure that you're saying the sounds properly because <laughs> they, <laughs> <they're talking laughs> no, like, they come to school now and they'll say, "Oh, it's a 'k', oh, yeah. and the tu That's the one that gets me. <laughs> I, I, but I've also heard like lots of
0: staff at school saying it as well, and I'm just like,
1: "What yes, name?" And I, and I try and I don't think we. From parent's point of view, if you were teaching them and say, for instance, and then the children want, children wanted to write cat, they might write C-U-H, and then an A, and then T-U-H rather than cat. So it, it's really important that we get those friends nice and clear. So make sure you find, there are loads and loads of videos online. Make sure that it's the English one, not the American no. one. Too. Yep. No, no zines in England. phonics. Because that is a
0: message. Quite often, I'll get messages from parents saying, Have I done enough for them to be ready for school? I had one the other day and they said, and I didn't realize that they hadn't been at school because the way they were describing it is they've been at school for a year or two years and they said, Well, we've done all the sounds. I'm not quite sure what to do next. They start schooling reception in September. It's like, You've done enough. Just, you've done enough. That is absolutely fine. Don't worry beyond that. It's like, it, it, in some ways, if they are in school, they are going to be, almost repeating it again when you, they get to school, so don't worry about it too much. Obviously, if they're homeschooled, it's a different situation, but your role isn't necessarily
1: to teach them those sounds as a parent. No, no, definitely not. I mean, it, it'd be really great if you were spending more time sort of visiting libraries and story retelling and lots of conversations and encouraging children to speak in a, in a full sentence because once they do start learning to read and, and write particularly, we're trying to get them then to write little sentences and instead of just one word. So if they if they give a one-word answer when they're speaking, they're more likely to write a one-word answer when they're writing. So lots of language and yeah, trying to get them to speak in fuller sentences, increasing their vocabulary. The more vocabulary they've got, then when they come across words in in reading and when they're trying to spell things, it's much easier for them. So there's there's lots of time for phonics at school. Just get all those, those phonological awareness skills first, in the library, as I said, storytelling, nursery rhymes, lots and lots of time at the park and playing and swimming and just, and it's, it's a magical time. Once they are at school, you just don't see so much of them. So really enjoy it. Don't stress out too much now. Yeah, definitely. So is there anything else you'd like to add to about
0: learning to read on the go and all those pre-reading skills when you have any for school and learning to eat. Well,
1: I'll just give you a few more activities maybe that you could do out and about. So like creating obstacle courses at home maybe or when you're out and about. Too, or too often when we have children in and, and playgrounds and stuff, it's all very safe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So they're not learning to go over hills and bumps and stuff. So the more experiences they have with different surfaces, the better able they are to control their body. And just using their eyes as well, training their eyes to spot things. So if you've got Spy books or Where's Waldo, to be able to spot something in a busy picture as well, that helps them when they're you know, at school and they're trying to find information on the, on the whiteboard or keeping track of what they're reading, all those things. So lots and lots of activities, looking for things and spotting things. What else can I think about nature walks? Lots of ball games, because that, again, is that hand-eye coordination. And think things like pouring, and which might not sound like it's something to do with handwriting, but actually children who it's called, it's of to do with proprioception. So if children press down too hard on their pens and pencils, then their hands get really tired. But if they don't press down enough, you can't read what they're writing and that's all about them. That's that's all about them judging how much pressure they put on on, on things when they use them. So lots and lots of activities where they're having to gauge how much to pour something, how much to push something, how much effort to, it is to pick up something. So just all those things how It's surprising really how many things help with reading and writing that you don't actually know. So it's just all these experiences.
0: It's like you said, it just, it doesn't look like reading and writing. That's why we dismiss it. But actually all that
1: preparation makes such a huge difference. Definitely. It's just like vital and just need more people to, I don't know, understand it a bit more, I guess. So if people want to connect with you a little bit more, where can they find you? so they can find us on the phonics.com is our website we have also got a phonics facebook page and in that you'll find links to two groups as well one that's called mighty muscles and that's all about developing the gross motor muscles ready to write and the other one is more of a support group for phonics for reception measuring sort of key stage one we're on instagram we have a little bit on TikTok, but not very much, and YouTube. So TikTok, TikTok, if you want to see how our letter formation is, we've got videos on there. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear how the sounds are correctly, mm-hmm. so then go on to our YouTube channel. So lots and lots of ways you can find us. Great. And you have a subscription box, which you told us a little bit about at the beginning. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that now? So we were really excited about this. So, you know, so in December, we launched our Phoenix ABC subscription box. So we, we'd already made some letter formation cards that we wanted to use in our phonics class and I've used them with the children as well. Because I wanted something that had letter formation on, clear starting and stopping points. It had a simple rhyme to help children remember because it rhymes, children remember songs and rhymes and that. So it really supports them with that. I didn't want to rhyme like some schemes I've seen, but go, I don't know. Or something. And I just say, can't go around the apple if there's no apple there. So I didn't want anything like that. I wanted the rhyme to be something you could do without having a visual as well. It's at a later point. And then you can see how tall they sit. And the cards are cards all lined up. So you can see which ones hang below the line into the soil, which ones go up into the sky. And then on the back, we've got QR codes. Because again, I wanted parents and children to be able to hear how the sounds are said correctly, and again, to watch us um, correctly, show them how to form the letters. And then there are uppercase, lowercase, and objects beginning with the letter So try to get lots and lots of things and make it really useful letter cards that we haven't seen anywhere else and couldn't find. So we had those, and then I wanted to split it up into phonics boxes so that we can send them out to people who can't actually get to phonics or who want to have some extra activities. So the activities will all be really fun. We are not work sheet. It's not you know there are a few games for phonics reading and writing for older children, but the younger ones. It's all very much about practical activities to support them with the gross motor, the fine motor, the language, the other things, rhyming, all sorts of things. There be craft activities to work on their fine motor. So the six activities in every box. We also put in QR codes with those. So we explain to children how to do the activities. Helen is our storyteller. So she always does one with Lenny, the letter monster, who's a character in our funny sessions, and he's always a bit of a bit of a rascal and she gets him saying the sounds and that. So it makes it all very, very fun for children, but it's just, we've had really good feedback from them and people are really enjoying them. So you can find the links for those on our Phoenix website as well. If so you go to the shop and then down to the subscription boxes. Fantastic. I'll add that into the link
0: in the show notes as well. And I'll also pop, if anyone's local no to Worcestershire, I will pop in the link for the classes there because it is just Worcestershire that you're just Worcestershire in. at the moment. Well, That's fantastic. Thank you for all the information you've given us today. And hopefully it can help some parents and families with helping their child with learning to read and learning to write as well. Lovely. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for listening. I hope that you can take something away that will help to add to your child's learning village. Head over to the show notes for this episode at www.yourlearningvillage.com forward slash podcast where you'll find anything mentioned today. Also, grab your free Learn to Read with Recipes starter kit to find the answers to the most commonly asked questions by families about learning to read. And get a free Read to Cook visual recipe for pancakes for early readers at yourlearningvillage.com. Have a great day and happy learning with your child.